everybody. Welcome back to the Talk Down Syndrome podcast. It's me, your girl, Chantel. And Allie. Hey, everybody. How are you guys doing? I hope everybody is surviving this pandemic. Yes. You know, we, um, we have a very different episode to bring today to the table. Um, me and Allison have mentioned in previous episodes that we were going to discuss laws that pertain to our loved ones with Down syndrome and COVID-19. We did do a little bit of research and have some information to provide to you guys today. Um, I know that I did say that I wanted to talk about, uh, we were gonna talk about laws in the United States as well as outside of the United States. But let me be honest with you, I have been researching up the yin yang Okay, and I cannot find that much stuff about outside of the United States that we don't already know. Like, for instance, New New England. I keep saying like, I keep wanting to say Denmark for some reason, but, um, you know, like like how they're trying to eliminate Down syndrome. But um, that's pretty much it. But it didn't have anything to do with COVID-19 and this virus. So all of our information that we researched is a majority in the U.S., but I think a lot of my listeners out there are all in the U.S., and if you're not, please, like I always say, message us, because tell me something about your um, your continent that you're living on that we don't know about. Um, but we have yeah, to- it's hard to find stuff on Google in general, like, you know, actual factual evidence. Um, we obviously were able to find more in the United States, but of course, you know, things are changing every day when it comes to COVID. So if there is something that we say that has changed since we put this episode out, don't be upset, guys. <laughs> We're yes. doing our best here. We're just excited to share with you what we found. Um, so I think it's going to be an exciting episode. Yeah. Um, all of our information is current. Um, we are looking at when the actual um, pandemic has started, which is kind of like around April when it started hitting all of us down to like now where we all got on quarantine, right? So a lot of the information that we found is within the past few months and it is like evolving. Every day there's something new going out, some kind of new law, some kind of new guideline. And then you could go outside. You can't go outside. You, You know what I mean? It's like back and forth. So please just know that even by the time that this episode um, hits you guys and you guys are listening, um, things might have changed by then. So um, we want you guys to know that, that um, all this stuff is the most recent, but it might not be the most, most recent because it could change tomorrow. And um, also a lot of our stuff, we just want to just give you guys information. We have some good stories to share today. We have some bad stories. We have some good news and bad news. So we want to give you both a mixture of good and bad. We don't want you listening and feeling like, like, fuck, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't want you listening and, and like, damn, I, I, I'm sad right now. I want you to be happy and, and also know what, what was really going on out there or what has been going on since this pandemic started. And, um, but yeah, like I said, with Allison, I'm super excited to bring yeah, all this stuff because fun. I was going to say, you know, obviously it's not the most positive, um, information (laughs) because it's against people with um you know disabilities including down syndrome so um it it is very important for us as you know parents and family to these um children and adults that have uh, a disability just to know about these laws and be aware of them so if anything you know 
just it'll be good to have this knowledge so. yeah and just to bring awareness um yeah. and you know allison she did say um disabilities it is not just down syndrome because this isn't just only down syndrome even though this is a down syndrome podcast it's actual all disabilities so yeah um so yeah so let's get to it um yeah. i wanted to start off by saying with what i found is that people with disabilities have been constantly fighting and having a long history of discrimination in the healthcare system um, always fighting for their rights when it comes to their quality of life and how they're treated um, in the medical field. Uh-huh. So um, I know that like right up until the 1970s, most developmentally disabled people, they were like warehouse and institutions, right? All of our yeah. babies were sent to hospitals and they weren't worthy enough and they were institutionalized and being taken care by um, hospital staff. And so um, I feel like now during this COVID-19 pandemic, there have also been stories um, in the media that are doing the same thing. Although they're not institutionalized now anymore, our, our loved ones, they're still having to fight for you know their, their quality of life. Yeah. So I thought that was very important because um, even though we're in current times in 2020, almost 2021, that we're still having to fight the same battles, but in a different light. And, and it's, it's, it says a lot. And that's not just with disabilities. I'm seeing that with a lot of different fights right now and awarenesses. So I saw that when I was reading and I'm like, it kind of brought some like food for thought. Like that's true. Like this is still going on. Why are we still fighting for quality of life? Right? Exactly. And it's also important to mention that because of this, they passed and I'm embarrassed that I didn't look up what year they passed this, but it's, I want to say it was a while ago, like maybe even the nineties, they passed the American with Disabilities Act and the Affordable Care Act, which guarantees that disabled and older people will not face discrimination when Mm -hmm. they need medical care. And so it is, you know, kind of appalling that we're still dealing with this. You know, they did everything that they thought they could passing this act to protect these people, but Mm -hmm. it's obviously still happening. It's still happening. And you know what, even though institutionalized, because I I was reading about um, people with Down syndrome, still today they're placed in like homes um like homes to take care of them and it sucks mm-hmm. because like they're in like think of it they're in like this home kind of think of like a senior a senior home a senior facility and they're mm-hmm. being taken care of staff there and and if the virus goes into that facility the entire facility could get sick right yeah so, yeah and i i did read that a large um home health care workers are large are mostly women and mostly women of color. So it does affect women of color and people with disabilities. It's almost, it's like a, it's hitting them both, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's why it's so important right now to just be mindful, wearing a mask, you know, just practicing all those safety measures just to keep everybody safe. Yeah, I, I do stress that. I know there are probably some listeners who are, probably like, well, you know, it's my choice, you know, and it is, it, it is, but we do, me and Allison, we love the masks. So <laughs> I wear one every day. It's called makeup. But no, I really, well, I the do. Thing is that what I want to get into for the people that don't think it's a big deal and don't think it's going to affect them. 
I'm just going to go ahead and jump into what I looked up in the state of Oregon, which is where I live, Mm -hmm. because when things like pandemics happen, when there's like a disease that's going around the world, either that or natural disasters, where there's this huge flood of people going into hospitals needed to be taken care of, each state has a crisis care guidance. Mm -hmm. So like the crisis care of Oregon was um, assembled by Oregon's public health director. Mm -hmm. Basically he got a big group of nurses, doctors, hospital administrators, anybody that like works in the hospital or is affected by these huge flood of people coming in. um, They made this outline of what, you know, who to take care for, take care of first in the situations. So I'm looking it up. I, you know, I was reading it online and it basically said that critical care exclusion criteria consists of the first one was if their average life expectancy is less than six to 12 months due to some kind of illness like cancer, heart failure, liver disease, anything like that. It said that it would be appropriate in a crisis care setting not to undertake CPR in these situations. Mm -hmm. And then the second one was people recovering from a current illness or, um, you know, anybody that has any kind of condition that they see as a lower, you know, life, average life. Um, So I'm looking through it and I was trying to see if there was something that said specifically like Down syndrome or like disability. And all that said... You know, they gave, like, these group scenarios with, like, different patients and which one would be excluded. Mm -hmm. And one of them did include somebody with trisomy 21, and it said that they would not be excluded from care. So I was thinking, like, oh, that's great. Like, the outline says that. But as, like, I'm reading through it, I realized that no matter what the outline says, like, it's just a guidance. You know what I mean? Like the doctors can still do and say whatever they want to. Mm -hmm. This is just something trying to like push them into the right direction. So as I was looking through it, I looked up like advocacy groups in Oregon and I found this group called the Disability Rights of Oregon. And it said that they filed a formal federal civil rights complaint against the state of Oregon challenging its crisis care guidance because it discriminates against people with disabilities, people of color, and seniors. And they did that because it said that they were already getting um, reports from people in April, people in Oregon saying that they were being um, pushed by doctors to sign do not resuscitate orders. I can't say that word very well. Resuscitate. Resuscitate. (laughs) Regret. Resuscitate. (laughs) So when I read that, I was like, that's crazy like you don't hear these crazy stories from these people being pushed to sign these orders yeah you know you only hear about the better story I don't know it was just scary realizing that that was already happening in my state in April people Mm -hmm. with disabilities being told not to you know not to be given CPR basically if they're dying because of the virus Mm -hmm. and Oregon isn't even a hard hit state. Like think of Texas and Arizona where they literally did go into crisis care mode Mm -hmm. and people were denied treatment. Mm -hmm. So for the people that don't think masks are important and stuff like that, obviously this episode isn't to like sway you one way or the other. I'm just saying, keep in mind that this is what affects our children. You know, this is what would cause them to deny care. Yeah. I think that people, like, I think people don't really know, or like maybe some, this is just my opinion, they're maybe not be aware that what they do can affect other people. And you don't know, like, if you're walking next to, like, right, just by passing somebody, 
you don't know if by just by passing somebody, if you're not wearing a mask and maybe they are, maybe somehow you're like spit and gets on them or you just don't know, or even touching something, you know, you don't think yeah. of it. And then the next person might touch or get, get what contract what you have. And then it might just trickle down to a big snowball effect. I mean, yeah. it's just, I mean, that's how viruses spread, right? I mean, you go to work or you go do something and you don't know. It just, it happens. You can't see yeah. it. It's in the air. You yeah. can't see it. And what's kind of driving me crazy is people are like, well, it's fine. I'll get a, like, I'll get it and then I'll get better and it'll be fine. But that's not always true. Hearing, yeah. And what I keep hearing is it's causing health issues after you like recover from it. Like it's, yeah. it's causing crazy like heart issues. Oh, you don't um, even know the long-term failure. effects yet. You yeah, don't even know that. Scary. It's so scary. And not knowing that, it is enough reason to not want to get it. <laughs> I, you know? I don't know. I just, it's, it is very scary. And I think a lot of people are, it's just so half and half. It's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, okay. So I was even looking at Oregon myself. Um, and this is a sad story, but it, it like, it like butterflied into a positive thing. So I wanted to share that. Um, do you have any more, Allison, before I share this story? Um, no, you can share your story. Okay. So it was in Oregon, Oregon City, and this was last March. A 45-year-old woman, um, she was rushed to the emergency room. Her name was Sarah McSweeney, and she was one of the first to ask, um, she was actually one of the first questions medical professionals have asked was whether the woman, Sarah, signed a document allowing physicians to withhold medical care. So it was a weird question. Yeah, it was a weird question because she went to the emergency room. She had a fever and um, she didn't really understand why they were asking her that. Okay, so... Hospital personnel also immediately asked questions about the woman's quality of life. So she's in the hospital room. She's in an emergency. She has a really bad fever. Um, they're asking her about her quality of life, which I don't even know that is a questionable question. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, okay. So talking about the quality of life is an essential code for your life or quality of life does not have a quality or value I recognize. So pretty much what she said was like, um, to her, it was kind of like for you to, for you to question my quality of life is basically ask, like saying that I don't have a quality of life. Exactly. Like it shouldn't be questionable. Right. Yeah. So anyway, um, Sarah was a nonverbal. She was in a wheelchair, so she was disabled. Uh And she had to worry about if she was seen as a less valuable person by medical professionals who do not know her. Uh So um, three weeks later, she died of Uh COVID-19. So she was hospitalized. That's in short. You know, it's talking about the story's long, but that's in short. Well, anyway, after her death, of course, activists um, in Oregon started looking at her situation and they actually, it was the Disability Rights of Oregon. Um, so they ended up proposing a bill. It's the Senate Bill 1606, which I actually like looked up the bill. And I have a little paragraph of what it says. 
It's a little long, but I'll try to like, to like brief it. But this bill is prohibits hospitals from conditioning admission or treatment or suggesting that treatment is conditioned on a patient having physician orders for life-sustaining treatment or executing advanced directive or other institutions regarding administration, withholding or withdrawing of life-sustaining procedures or artificially administered nutrition and hydration. Pretty much they were asking her if she, um, when she asked her about the quality of life, they mm-hmm. were, she didn't have like, you know how you have to have a directive? She didn't have a directive. They're saying that like, they that hospitals can't use that as an excuse anymore. Like, oh, this patient doesn't have a directive. So, you know, they're, they're going to be put at the, you know, bottom of the list. Yeah. So, um, so this allows hospitals to impose, con- this allows hospitals not to impose condition to ensure safety of patient or support per- person and staff. So it requires healthcare providers to immediately notify state protection and advocacy organizations if during the state of emergency or public healthcare emergencies, um, person acting on the behalf of a patient with intellectual or de- de- developmental disability authorizes withholding or withdrawing of life-sustaining procedures. So pretty much that it just it protects the person when they go into an emergency room like Sarah did and pretty much from not getting bullied is what it's saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just hope that it actually happens. Like I was saying earlier, like you can put all these, you know, laws and stuff in place, but I feel like doctors do what they feel is best in the situation. Like you said, the quality of life, how can they know what their quality of life is? Like we all know us being parents of kids with down syndrome, know what doctors see our kids quality of life as, and it's nothing. Like, they don't see them as having a good quality of life. So it's just scary. Like, yeah, that law passed, and it's incredible. I just hope that it actually happens, you know? Yeah, so, um, well, the it was signed on June 30th um, by the president, and it was signed by the governor on July 7th. So it says the, the law creates unlawful practice of denying medical treatment or restricting or limiting allocation of medical resources to protected classes based on race, color, sex, national origin, sexual orientation, gender identity, age, or disability. So, I mean, I guess we it was signed, so I don't have a date that it went into effect, but because of Sarah's story, that was what I meant by something good came out of it in Oregon. And yeah. I, 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 I've always said this, too. It always takes something bad to happen for people to wake up and do something good. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. I mean, like, you know... Somebody has to like get in a bad car crash and somebody has to die for like people to be like, where are your safety belts? You know, it, it, it always had to take that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so, that's true. So, I mean, sadly, that's what happened to Sarah, but, um, you know, something good came out of it. And I'm hoping that in your state, because Allison lives in Oregon, I'm hoping that 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 is still going on and that that's being practiced in your state. Um, I hope so. I'm I I'm surprised I didn't even see that story. Like I was looking up so many stories online in Oregon, mm-hmm. and I didn't even see that one. That's so weird. Yeah, that was a good one. I found a lot. I found a lot with Oregon, Alabama. Uh, I I love people that I've met that were in Alabama, but I'm gonna say fuck you, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> Before we even dive into the fucked upness, yeah, uh, we'll get fun. there. We are gonna get there. <laughs> I want to add that. 
if you are listening to this and you live in Oregon, and if you believe that your right to medical treatment is being denied, you can contact the Disability Rights of Oregon, the DRO. Mm-hmm. Um, their phone number is 503-243-2081 or 1-800-452-1694. Um, or you can write to them. Their address is online. Um, if you feel like your treatment is being denied or you're being treated wrong or anything like that, you can contact them and they can advocate for you and try to figure out a plan for you. Yeah. Thank so you. That's important. Should be yeah, throwing out some numbers. <laughs> yeah, girl. Yes. <laughs> so, so, okay, here we go. Alabama. Are y'all oh, ready for this? Fuck you, Alabama. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, okay. Alabama is not the state you want to be in right now during a yeah. pandemic. Let me just Forever. say that. Just don't go there, guys. Just don't. I don't know I'm what. <laughs> I know. We're, we're probably going to get some message from somebody in Alabama like, excuse me. But... So, okay, everybody listening. The reason we're saying this is because Alabama it's has so precious care criteria that allowed for denying ventilators to individuals with intellectual disabilities, including mental retardation. That is and they use the word retardation. Yeah, which is like, it used to be a medical term, yes, but it's clearly, you know, not been used for a long time. It just feels like a punch to the gut. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. When they use that, it seems like, I don't know. And this is like a like podcast it. for Down syndrome, but when they say retardation, they're not just saying like Down syndrome. They're even just saying normal people in wheelchairs. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah they're, they're, yeah, they're just trying, I feel like, to do a low blow. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's pretty funny. So I was researching it a little bit. I know Chantel was too. So I saw that on April 8th, 2020, the Office of Civil Rights um, announced that it had resolved a review of the state of Alabama. Um after they saw that that was part of their crisis care. So I don't really know if them even reviewing it has changed them. Cause I feel like Alabama just kind of seems to have this mentality and treats people with disabilities pretty bad. So I'm hoping that people are being treated equally with disabilities there. I don't know if you found any stories, Chantel. I from found, Alabama. Well, I haven't, I found one story of a guy who has survived COVID-19 but he um, he pretty much had to fight it with Alabama. He, he's from Alabama. He's from Vestivia Hills, Alabama. So, okay. yeah, he had to fight it, and he got a ventilator, but he had to fight it. And he uh-huh. has Down syndrome. Um, did you want me to share it? I mean, I can tell you guys about it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, I was also reading up stuff about Alabama, um, which, let me just say, last May, the United States – has reported 85,000 cases of, or I'm sorry, more than 85,000 cases where states have put a rationing on medical supplies. Okay, so it's not just Alabama, even though we're saying, fuck you, Alabama, um, Washington, Arizona, fuck you, Arizona, um, well, fuck yeah. you, New York, fuck you, Tennessee. Oh, it's like half of the United States. I'm like, no, just seriously, though, seriously, with all jokes aside, um, yeah, New York, Alabama, Tennessee, Utah, Minnesota, Colorado, Oregon, those are just to name a few. And those are obviously states that are heavy, heavily populated um, where these states are putting these ration on medical supplies. So when I was reading about Alabama and specifically, they did, I saw the same thing. Persons with severe and profound mental retardation, moderate to severe dementia, 
catastrophic neurological complications, and even people that are in a vegetative states are unlikely candidates for ventilator support. So your loved one that is sitting there that you've known your entire life, your child that is, you know, might be in a vegetative state, they're like looking at him or her and saying, well, you know, they're not going to really be a good candidate to save their life. So I'm not going to even try pretty much. Right. Yeah. That's why we're and saying fuck you to all these states. Cause that's fucked up. I'm sorry to cuss so much, but it is. I know it gets me riled up. So I think mad. it's very important to make note for everybody that's listening that you need to remember that it's not just the virus when it comes to crisis care and the hospitals being overwhelmed, it's everybody being affected by it. So like if you were to get into a car accident, you're also going to be a part of crisis care. They're going to oh, take your yeah. injuries into perspective, you know, consider yeah. those and think, okay, do I save this car crash victim or do I save this person with oh, COVID? Yeah. That's what I wanted to say. You know, she's totally right because they're looking at it as um, – when they say like quality of life, they're looking at it as who is going to live the longest. That's what, that's the, that's how they're putting it. Like, but like, let's say me and Allison, let's say I am like, I have really bad um, health issues. Me and her are the same age. Right. And let's say she has, she's has really good health and I have poor health. They're looking at both of us and saying, well, who's going to likely to most live the longest. That's the person we're going to save. Yeah. And they take into, um, you know, they, they consider who will need treatment outside of the hospital, who's going to need rehabilitation services. And there was a big chunk in the crisis care guidance of Oregon that said decisions should be made without regard to whether a person's illness or injury was a direct result of the public health crisis, unrelated injuries and illnesses, such as a heart attack or stroke will continue to occur in a crisis. And certain people may be excluded from medical attention and life-sustaining treatment. So everybody's affected by this, meaning the ambulance, the 911 services, you know, emergency services. And I feel like the American mentality is, oh, if I'm sick, the hospital will treat me. They'll save me. Like people think they're going to be saved no matter what, but they don't understand that. There's there are these background guidelines. Yeah, there's yeah. these background laws that we are not all aware of. Yeah, you just need to look at the big picture, you know? Yeah, so Alabama is one of them that weighs how long patients are likely to live. And that's an actual, like, that's actually written, like, in um, the American Medical Association when I was reading that. So um, right now, what the U.S. is looking at is 24,000 ventilators um, are going to be needed for patients in the coming weeks. But um, there's actually more predictions that it could be hundreds of thousands in the next coming weeks. So, yeah. so they're looking at, I think you have to look at the individual and not just work off of stereotypes and diagnoses, but I did find, um, a story, which actually, I think this is gonna, I was going to tell Allison and she'll probably agree is that the story of this guy, um, who is holding up a sign and I'm pretty sure some people probably saw it. It says, I am ventilator worthy. I yeah. have the right to live. I feel like Allison yeah. shared that maybe on her Instagram. I did. Okay. Yeah. That was from Alabama. So uh, I yeah, thought that, was. that was a story. This is a story about Matthew Foster. So um, a little bit about Matthew Foster before coronavirus happened, Matthew Foster used to dress up like Chuck E. Cheese for work. He worked as a giant mouse for Chuck E. Cheese. That's cute. <laughs> yeah. He had, so he was, had a job living his life. He had a girlfriend. 
Um, and she worked at Barnes and Noble. And every Wednesday they went to the movies. So that was his life. So this story actually came out last April. So now, as of April, he has to FaceTime his girlfriend because he was so scared to even get COVID-19 due to where he lives, which is in Alabama. So he was pretty much his story was about that he was scared. Him and his mother were scared because of all of the um, laws that are going on and that now 30 states have these directives that hospitals should ration their ventilators and him and his mom lived in fear because if he gets you know obviously COVID-19 he's going to be put at the last of his list so um I yeah so right now he was talking about like his story was talking about the need in Alabama um how they need home oxygen and they need to have like even some hospitals will take ventilators away from patients while they're like using them to give them to other patients. Jeez. I'm kind of like, I'm short shortening this because the story is so long. Yeah. But, um, so did he get the virus? You know what? Uh, let's see. I think I said he got the virus, but he didn't get the virus. Sorry, I was reading something else. He did not get it. But he, okay. he was scared to get the virus because he lives in okay. Alabama. Okay. Um, yeah, I remember that picture because I just I didn't realize that that was the law in Alabama and that was, what, back in April? And that's kind of what was eye-opening to me, learning all the laws, and I was just, like, mind-blown. Well, no, I think with him, what was specific about him is that him and his mom were um, bringing awareness to what their life is like living there. And what yeah. the law, what the laws mean to them, and and many others that are like in their situation. They need to get out of there. Yeah, come over. Come, I'm telling you guys, everybody, come move to California. <laughs> I just, I would not feel comfortable living in a state that had things like that in place. You no. know, I would never feel safe going anywhere with my child. No, it's it's sad. It's sad. It's awful. So all these uh, people, and you know, are obviously in back of the line for for receiving any kind of treatment or any kind of ventilator support or any kind of tools to help them survive. Um, so that wasn't just one of them. Like there, it's like um, I have found this, which I could post it. I'll post it as like the second picture on our Instagram. If you guys are following us, I'll put a picture of Matthew and then I'll also put a picture of all the states that have these, um, these laws in place when it comes to rationing medical supplies for our people yeah. with disabilities. Because when you look at it in a picture and like almost half of the United States is in color because they're the ones that are, are rationing, it's like mind blowing. Cause you're like, Holy shit. Like, and yeah. some of you guys can probably look at that picture and be like, Oh my God, I live in like, you know, Arizona, I didn't know, and then it might have you, you guys might look it up, you know? That's what happened with Yeah, especially if you're in Arizona, because they're the first state that actually enacted the crisis care, so they've yeah. been in that mode for a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know they were extremely overwhelmed. Well, there's Arkansas, Delaware, Idaho, New Jersey, Virginia, Massachusetts. All of them are working on developing rationing policies, which is, this was like, as of April, they're working on developing rational policies which mean those policies might be in place now 
And I mean, I didn't look into specific like Idaho or Virginia, but uh-huh. if if you guys live in some of those states, it's probably something good to look into, at least so you know, you know. Yeah, and so I know Texas is the same way, and so I did find this story. Um, he, this man, he doesn't have Down syndrome, but he does have a disability. He's a quadriplegic. His name was Michael Hickson. He lived in Texas. He was a 46-year-old. He had five children, and he died on June 11, 2020, mm-hmm. uh, because St. David's South Austin Medical Center, which is in Austin, Texas, um, denied him treatment because they didn't think he had a good quality of life Mm -hmm. um so his wife melissa hickson kind of went online on social media to kind of advocate for him and then a disability rights group called adapt in austin um apparently they sent in a complaint on july 24th to the federal office for civil rights um and it from the story that i was reading it said that two members of the u.s house of representatives from texas expressed alarm about it and called for an investigation mm-hmm. i don't know where they're at right now in that i'm hoping they're investigating it um i didn't even think texas was in crisis care mode so i don't even know if this had to do with that or if they just thought she had low quality of life i don't really know why they did that especially you know he's only 46 and he had five kids yeah. You know, teenage kids, they weren't that old. I just, I don't see, you know, if his wife didn't want that to happen and was taking care of him, I don't really see why they would do that, you know? Yeah, that's really weird. It just, yeah, it doesn't make sense. So, I don't know, I just thought that story was so odd. I don't get it. And that was, do, do you know what city that was in Texas, by chance? Yeah, it was in Austin. Oh, in Austin, okay. Yeah, I found a good story. <laughs> well, that's good. Oh, here's a positive one. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> I'm like, I'm like trying not to get sad about it because I mean, there are good and there's bad, you know, in, in everything in the world and whatnot. But um, so mine is actually a survivor with Down syndrome who was lived in Texas in Fort Worth. And this story actually posted July 17th, which is fairly recent like weeks ago. So I thought it was really interesting. So 23 year old coronavirus, I was like Corona, (laughs) coronavirus sufferer with Down syndrome left the hospital after spending 41 days on a ventilator. So his name was Louis Pamones. He was discharged from Methodist hospital in Fort Worth, Texas on Monday after overcoming the potentially deadly condition So on May 1st, he actually was in the hospital and he was feeling really ill and severe, had breathing difficulties, of course, and he tested positive for COVID-19. So um, he was in the hospital for 41 days. Um, He was taken off of his ventilator on June 14th and he was able to start breathing independently. So I thought that was pretty, pretty good. I thought that was, I mean, I mean, especially with he had breathing difficulties, so um, and I know that a lot of this whole COVID stuff is like, it, it, a lot of people say that it attacks people who already have health issues, but I've also saw stories where people were completely healthy and they still got it and passed away. So it's both, yeah. you know, and then they're, I mean, everybody, yeah, is at risk. 
So I, yeah, that was a good, like a positive thing that I was like, oh, maybe we'll share that. So go Lewis. He's probably like, (laughs) go Lewis. Lewis. (laughs) Dude, you know what story I wish we would have researched before this? Remember that one I sent you on Facebook about that elderly man with Down syndrome from Scotland who beat the virus? Yes, I do. Oh, we should have looked that up. We can talk about it in the next episode, but I just thought about that. Do you have it on you? I don't. Sorry, if you guys can hear my dog, my husband just let him out of the cage, and he's breathing heavily. (laughs) It's not me. I'm not breathing that way, I promise. Okay. So, yeah, I'm all... (laughs) Coronavirus! All right. Okay, so um, I have a little bit more information about Staten Island and Washington. So, um, I don't know. And New Jersey. Do you want me to share New Jersey? Are they all different? Are they all different? Yeah, they're just a few like stories, a little bit of like, um, some of them are about laws, but I I kind of just like saw these stories and I thought some of them were pretty like good to share. And you know what I mean? Like, um, want me to do New Jersey? I'll do New Jersey. Yeah. Okay, New Jersey. Watch people from New Jersey. Remember that, that guy we interviewed from New Jersey? He's like, I'm all, how's the pizza? Do you guys really talk like this? And I, <laughs> he's all, he's all roll his eyes so hard. I know he's probably like, oh my God, this is so stupid. Okay. <laughs> anyway, sorry, my people from New Jersey. I just fun saying that. Okay. So this is a sad one. And the headline said, man with Down syndrome died lonely coronavirus death on his 30th, seven days oh after God. it killed his mom. That's fucked up. So, yeah, that's sad. So, which I don't know if I was going to post all the links to this so people can read it. But if you really just want me to share, give you the story, I could, I saved the links and I'll just send them to you individually because it might be too much like to post on like our um, comments or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So man with Down syndrome died. The lonely, the lonely coronavirus death on his 30th birthday just a week after the same disease killed his mother. His name was Thomas Martin Reitz, and he died in the hospital earlier um, this month, which was last April, hours after his loved one sang happy birthday to him over a Zoom call. Oh, so this was in Kearney. Are you on the ventilator? Uh, let me see. I'll get to that. Let's see. So well, he was from Kearney in New Jersey. He was unconscious by the time his friends and family sang the greeting um, via an iPad placed in his room with quarantine measures preventing them to say goodbye in person. He died a week after his mom, Carolyn, who was 55, had COVID-19. His family friend, Dana, said, we got the staff together on a Zoom session and sang happy birthday all together. We recorded it and then I was able to talk to Thomas a little bit and give him some stories about what was going on I played a video for him so we can all hear us wishing him happy birthday. And then she said um, that he was just, he was completely wrapped. She was completely wrapped up in Thomas and Thomas was talking to her as well. And they were just really close. And then um, soon after he passed away. That's horrible. Sorry guys. Yeah. Yeah. So So like I said, with the good comes the bad. And that was over in New yeah. Jersey. Um, it didn't mention if he was on a ventilator at all, actually. And but hopefully they gave him one. Shit. 
I could probably try to find it and look it up and give like, you know, my yeah. next episode. Oh, that's scary. With all that being said, the bad and the good, um, we do want to end this on just pretty much talking about how COVID-19 directly affects like Down syndrome and how it, how it intertwines with each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, I found that the mortality rate of COVID-19 has been estimated up to 30 times that of influenza, which is scary. Yeah. So, you know, in Europe and North America, the prevalence of Down syndrome is one in 1200, meaning that more than 1 million adults and children live with Down syndrome. This syndrome is notably associated with developmental, with the development of cognitive heart disease, heart disease, I can't spit that out, <laughs> sleep apnea, obesity, diabetes, premature aging, and higher sensitivity to upper respiratory tract infections, which each of these conditions is likely to make people with Down syndrome, even children, more prone to severe COVID-19. Yes, yeah. And also, they're uh, more at risk for developing some of the more serious consequences of COVID-19, which could lead to acute respiratory distress syndrome, cardiac damage, multi-organ failure. I mean, the list goes on and on for what these, you know, our loved ones are at risk for. So, you know, keep this in mind, everybody, when it comes to social distancing and being safe, just that our children and our family are the ones that are most at risk. It doesn't matter if your child is a baby, a, you know, a one month old, they're more at risk for this virus and not only at risk, but at long-term risk, meaning the effects will last years, if not their lifetime. You yeah. know? Yeah. I think that um, the lengthality of COVID-19 will might lead to like a dramatically high mortality rate over 50% among young adults and children with down syndrome mm -hmm. and given that like i don't want to say like i hate that they like because in this article it says given people with down syndrome are more often intellectually impaired i don't know if that's true or not um i guess i mean when you diagnose down syndrome a lot of people say that somebody is intellectually impaired i personally think that they're just not intellectually impaired. They just take a little bit longer to learn stuff. I mean, I don't like to say that. It just sounds so bad. But anyway, that's what it says. Given that people with Down syndrome are often intellectually impaired, it is harder to, it's more difficult to apply um, prevent, preventing transmission of the virus to them, like face masks and protection. Um, pretty much just saying like that, it's harder to protect our loved ones with Down syndrome. Yeah, but um, and also if you have to think about think about this, that even elderly patients, elderly people with Down syndrome, um, usually are mostly in institutions, which I mentioned earlier. So that is a high risk group because they're in an institution with nurse staff and people that you know, in groups, probably yeah. in large groups. So I think it's something to think about. Like it really is. Like this episode was probably the most hardest for me to like study and research because there's so much stories and information right now that we were finding I felt all over the place but I mean yeah. at the end of the day it gives all of us something to to consider and and think about you know yeah I just 
I just can't stress enough how important it is for everybody to take it seriously. And, you know, we can, I, you know, I get upset. Definitely. We all get upset in um, this community when we hear these stories about people being denied care or, you know, just being put at the bottom of the list to be saved because of their disability. It's not okay. It's not right. It should not be legal, but we have to keep in mind that if hospitals are overwhelmed, what are, what are hospitals supposed to do? Even if there wasn't that crisis care put in place, they would still have to figure out who to save and who not to save. You know, we all are in this together. We all just need to take care of each other and be mindful don't go to a big party right now, guys, without a mask. What are you doing? Don't do that. Even like, even like nervous to go to a party with a mask on. Right. Like, <laughs> just don't go. Just yeah. don't. It's not awesome. smart, especially if you have a child or somebody in your family with Down syndrome or some kind of, you know, immunodeficiency or something like that. It's, it's not worth it. Or high risk population too. Yeah. Probably. And you know, this is going to take time to get over. People are thinking it might not even be over until like 2022 and that's scary, but oh, yeah. one year, two years out of our life, isn't anything isn't compared to like our whole life, our life. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's not worth our life being taken or our children's lives being taken. If two years out of our life is the worst thing that happens to us ever or our kids, I think we can handle that, you know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. just be mindful, be respectful, everybody, and be safe and healthy. We're all thinking about you and oh, we, yeah. we're going to get through this. <laughs> and we love our listeners. We want everybody and to be he- healthy and happy. Yeah, and I hope I hope this episode didn't depress anybody. It really was just to get information out there and to yeah. kind of get a conversation started and just to get gears going and you know find yeah. everybody. I know. I feel I feel like I felt more knowledgeable researching, but I will admit that I I was sad because even the happy stories though I'm happy, but it's just sad because the whole like the fact that we have to even discuss our quality of life of our loved ones it's just yeah it it just breaks my heart and I do hope that Oregon does pass their laws and I hope that all the other states um kind of mimic um these laws and and don't don't put like um a ration on these on these medical supplies you know yeah I agree but I were glad to bring this information to you guys and I mean as we said there might be some changes that we haven't brought up yet that are happening like right now or this week so yeah, oh. let us know if you guys have any other information, suggestions, anything at all. Just send us a message on our Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, we're always interested to hear from you guys. So Talk Down Syndrome Podcast is our Instagram yes. name. And if you guys, our Gmail is um, talkdspodcast at gmail.com. And I always say this, teach, advocate, listen, and kindness is what our talk talk stands for. Yeah. Let's talk about We're all it. About- yeah. All right, everybody. Well, okay. we'll be back. What is it next week with our next interview? Yes, I'm hoping this is going to be a good one, and I have a feeling okay. it is. I'm um, excited. I don't know why I want to sing that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, like uh, yeah, they're like, shut up, Chantel. Just tell us who it is. <laughs> um, yeah, we're actually interviewing. Um, Allison, but not this Allison, another Allison. 
what? And she's hero life what? And she's she's dope. She's interesting. Uh, she does have a Down syndrome diagnosis, which I'm very jelly of. And she is just the sweetest person, you know. And I've talked to her a little bit. So I'm hoping that next episode comes out um, by this time next week. Look out for it. And I don't know, guys. I guess that's it. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you guys for listening. Yes. Send us any, any information or thoughts you have, too. Bye, guys. Okay, bye.